Good Reading Podcast is brought to you by Read, the monthly book subscription that pairs a new release book with a pampering gift delivered to your door. There are new books every month and nine genres to choose from. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how. My list. Clean the fridge. When you open the door of our fridge, you get a history lesson. There are at least five meals my son wanted to save for later that remain untouched and are now inedible. There are six or seven bottles of vitamins and herbal cures one of us started to take but never finished. The unspoken rule with these concoctions is if they're too expensive to throw away, we just leave them in situ until they accidentally reach their expiry date. Only then can we justify binning the evidence of our failure to achieve yet another New Year's resolution. These days, I no longer feel guilty when I look at them. Four weeks ago, the doctors told me I was in an advanced stage of melanoma and gave me a three-month prognosis. I'm incurable. Clint's list. Go for long walks in the countryside. I promised Viv we'd go for long walks in the countryside when we got married, so once I've finished screwing up as a dad, I've organised to take her on a surprise picnic. Long walks are kind of off-limits these days, so I've found a place we can drive up to that has a beautiful lake perfect for short strolls with benches all the way along to rest and watch the scenery. There's a place nearby that does picnic campers, which is great, because if I cook, that would end the romance before it even started. I know I've left my run a bit late, but I'm trying to make up for lost time and there have been a lot of what she calls broken promises since we got married. I never meant to break them. I was just busy. Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Megan Albany is a First Nations woman of Kalkadoon and European heritage and has worked as an editor, scriptwriter, songwriter and journalist. Today I'm talking to Megan about her debut novel, The Very Last List of Vivian Walker. Megan, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Vivian Walker has a certain attitude towards dying. What are the origins for the character of Vivian Walker? She's a bit of a, a, a combination of, of lots of people and, dare I say, little tiny, 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 only tiny bits of myself. <laughs> um, I originally was inspired to write um, the character of Vivian Walker after looking after a friend of mine and she was in palliative care. And while my friend Rebecca is nothing like Viv, what she does have in common with Viv is uh, she was very efficient with what she called her life admin, so the lists. Um, she was also hilarious and very, very smart. So um, probably a nicer person than Viv, I would have to say. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so she has she has origins in that. And probably I grew up in southwestern Sydney, so, you know, I'm a Westie. Uh, so there's probably a little bit of that that comes through in, in Viv. She's definitely what I might call an organisational queen and she invests so much in the list. What is the power of the list and why do we invest so much in them? Uh, look, I think it's, it's interesting because I'm speaking to not just women but men are also telling me that they're big list makers, which I was not aware of. I'm getting an education. But I think, Absolutely. <laughs> I think for women and for men that lists are really our way of trying to control our world and our world is getting more and more out of control and I think as our world gets more and more out of control we're getting more and more obsessed with our lists and trying to stay on top of of keeping um the illusion that we are in charge uh intact 
it's definitely an illusion, although I find most of my lists, uh, they end up as these bleached lumps of paper in the wash. <laughs> Where do yours end up? You've got to check your pockets. Let me just give you that yeah. bit of advice. Um, mine end up being I cross things out and then I write new lists and they end up in I have all sorts of systems for lists. I sometimes am very organised and they're in, I get a little special book for my lists and other times they're on scraps of paper or bills. Um but, yes, I think just in writing them, sometimes it definitely helps me sleep. Just before I'm about to go to sleep, I'll jump up and go, oh, my goodness, I have to remember to put that on my list. Uh, list's just an excuse for, you know, really doing nothing, for procrastinating, but uh, they have this benefit of imparting an enormous sense of self-satisfaction. I think we like to tick things off. Um, the problem with lists, as I'm sure all good list makers know, is that they only ever get longer, they never get shorter. <laughs> and if you add everything to your list, if you're a very thorough list maker, then yes, they can completely overwhelm you to the point where you just want to sit around and eat chocolate and completely ignore that list. And then you'll jump right back in with all good intent, exhaust yourself, and then round you go again. An endless list of lists. Yes. <laughs> I keep saying, when's my very last list going to happen? <laughs> I think we all hope that won't be for a while. But, you know, <laughs> well, I'm not, I, I'll just like the list to end. The, the rest of it can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> now, despite being a book about dying, the very last list of Vivian Walker is also about optimism. Our lists, and for that matter, the very last list of Vivian Walker, a shout out to the enduring power of optimism, even through a crisis. Oh, look, you know, that's such a such a lovely question because I, I have to confess to being an incurable optimist. Um, I wasn't sure if that was coming through in the book, so that's lovely that that is. But, but, yes, I think it's an optimism for me, for humanity, that we can just love each other in our imperfections. And that, for me, is the optimism that we don't have to be perfect to be loved and we don't have to get through the list to be loved. We don't have to do things to be loved. In fact, the quirkier and more annoying and more frustrating, often those, all those people get loved. The people that don't get loved um, in the movies actually get loved in real life and get loved for, for their foibles and for their failures. Um, and that's, for me, really what the list is about, is loving people, I guess, unconditionally or despite. It's probably not so much unconditionally as despite them, we still love them. <laughs> I guess it's a very wise thing to do is to not make a list of our failures or our foibles. Yes, I think that is a very wise thing to do. I think um, I guess the problem with optimism can be that we think um, and it's probably more marketing than optimism, but we have a we have a view of what we think we're supposed to be and that's like you know super organized, super loving, super successful, super wealthy, you know super giving and contributing. The list is so long of what the expectations are that most people put on themselves that I think that's um, that's that's the list not to look at, not and not certainly not to look at all the ways that you are not that. Um, so maybe if we started making lists of got out of bed, tick, <laughs> breathed it out, tick, that might that might take a bit of the pressure off. You know, completely lost it when I shouldn't have, tick. <laughs> The very last list of Vivian Walker is not just about Vivian Walker's own list, but also about lists for other people, her husband Clint's list, her son Ethan's list, 
Where does Vivian Walker get off making lists for other people? Oh, you've got to control your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Is a list sufficient in doing that? Um, look, I think it's just her way of trying, again, to control the world. And, and when you love people in a weird way, you want to control them more than yourself because it's kind of her way of trying to protect them, really. That's why she's making the list as this has to be right and that has to be right and it's kind of an anxiety list-making um, and that anxiety, I think, especially, um, you know, I can only talk as a woman because that's who I am, um, but I think for, for me it comes from we want everything to be perfect for the people we love and if they would just do what we told them, then they would be fine. And if they're not doing what we tell them, then they're not going to be fine. And we're going to go into more of a panic and give them even more things to do until they are totally fine. Do you find that people appreciate being given a list as Vivian does for her husband, Clint? Look, I, you know, I have to say that I think men are amazing with all the men I know. They really want their wives to be happy in the same way their wives want them to be happy but just in a slightly more annoying, controlling way. And I know a lot of men who, you know, go along doing the list, all right, if it makes her happy, I'll do it. I'm sure they don't overly appreciate it, but what I do really appreciate is how many men I know do try to do the list and they don't always do well they never do it the way that we want them to because our expectation of them is the same as our expectation of us which is completely unrealistic we are the weaker sex <laughs> i don't know about that i think since i had a son over i've reviewed my my take on my take on men in general i think that men are hugely sensitive um to to um lots of things, but to to their women. They're hugely sensitive and they really do want their um, their partner to be happy. Um, and and I think that that's, we've perceived that as a weakness. Um, and certainly I was brought up to perceive that as a weakness, definitely. But I I now see that as a strength. And as much as, as, um, as much as Clint is frustrating and would drive me absolutely crazy, I love how much he wants to do the right thing. And I even love how much he fails to do the right thing and how hopeless he is at doing the right thing, but he still keeps trying. And it's, it's, he's very endearing to me. I kind of fell in love with Clint accidentally. Don't tell you. <laughs> well, he won't mind because a lot of people keep looking at him that know him now since I wrote this book going, are you Clint? <laughs> so, it's just going to be my next question. <laughs> he wants to get a T-shirt done up that says, I'm not Clint. I wondered also whether lists reflect the priorities of gender and age or are there some things about lists which are universal? I think that lists, I thought lists, like I say, until I started speaking to a lot of men about this book, I thought lists were really a, a, a female thing, but I'm realising that I think lists are part of the age we're living in, which is where there's we no longer have someone at home just taking care of that. People are living careers and they're also trying to be homemakers and also trying to be parents. And all of those really important jobs have been kind of shoved to the side and in order to even have a hope of getting through all of that. Um, I think people chronically need lists. I really enjoyed the list of things not to do. Uh, and I think uh, we should make those kinds of lists more often. And that leads me to the question, uh, what is it about dying that focuses the mind? Well, I think the illusion that we're here forever is taken away. Um, and so time becomes precious, every day becomes precious. Um, but despite that, I think we realise that life goes on until it doesn't. So 
even if you're dying or even if you're caring for someone who's dying, you still need to eat, you still need to have clean clothes, you still need to do all those everyday tasks. Um, and, and perhaps for some people they can find some spirituality in those. But um, most of us, I don't think, um, become suddenly enlightened or become different people when someone's dying. In fact, because we're in crisis, often we become worse versions of ourselves, I think. Um, but my sister's best friend when she was dying, I remember she literally couldn't eat anymore, but she still wanted to know that she could if she wanted to. So Joe was continuing to keep up the routines and cooking her dinner. And literally the day before she died, Joe was cutting the carrots and her friend was like, oh, the carrots. And Joe said, I know you want them julienne. You don't like them round. You know, that still mattered. And, you know, it was the same with my friend. She wanted to drink out of a posh wedge-tail crystal glass, which did make her look in into the, into the list because little things still matter. And I guess we live in, you know, Madonna's words, we live in a material world and we become quite attached to all those daily little things and little routines that help us make sense of, of being here. And it's very much the case for Vivian Walker. She wants the best for everybody and not just herself but everybody around her. Yeah, she absolutely does. Um, and that's why she gets frustrated when not everyone is doing it because she's trying to be that thing she's meant to be. And then, of course, when she doesn't get it right and then when she nags and she's horrible, then there's the guilt of she hasn't even ticked that box of being nice to her husband. So then that creates more and more need to make the list to get him on board because if only he was on board she wouldn't have to be so horrible to him and it's this kind of vicious cycle that I think a lot of us can relate to and anyone who's a parent can relate to we we read all those books and we want to be amazing parents and and then our children do something and we yell at them like we were not meant to and we say things we're not meant to including all the things we swore we'd never tell them that our parents told us and then we feel guilty and then we yell at them some more because look how they've made us feel god damn them <laughs> Sounds like a terrible endless cycle. I hope I, I, hope I, I don't um, approach that uh, moment in the same way, but hopefully that's a way off. This is a book about dying, but I kind of find that uh, we're not very good at talking about dying. Why is that, do you think? We don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we're going to go. We don't like the thought of losing people and and we're uncomfortable and really I think a lot of people don't want to talk about dying, especially with people who are dying or people who've lost someone because, again, a bit like Viv, they don't want to um, say or do the wrong thing. People will often say, oh, I don't know what to say, what would I say? I say, well, say, I don't know what to say. I just don't say nothing, you know. Don't not show up because you might say or do the wrong thing. I think Viv gives us permission to be completely inappropriate <laughs> and I think that's okay there is no appropriate there is no right or wrong what's right for one person might be wrong for another and really if you're trying I think that's good and I think we need to perhaps start to try to add talking to talking about death on our list because so many people um, and I'm, I'm finding that more and more with people talking to me about the book you know most people have lost someone whether that's to cancer or just to life and death, which is the second part. We, we're happy to go life, but we don't want to do that and death. We all wish the world would stop when someone's dying, and it, it doesn't. But it, if they if it didn't stop, but at least people were happy to talk to us about it or happy to, to hold our hand in that grief or hold our hand in that 
imperfection and accept too because I know at funerals the amount of people who I've spoken to where oh this person did that and there's all these fights and especially over money and there's all that craziness that happens if we just accept you know what that's what happens when people die people act badly under pressure and if we accept that we're not going to be our best selves and if we accept that we're not going to talk about death perfectly then maybe we won't be so scared to talk about it Sage advice, indeed. <laughs> I was interested to read that uh, music plays a big part in your life and the very last list of Vivian Walker comes with its own soundtrack. What might we find on that particular list and what does it say about you, about this book and the world in general? Well, I guess what you'll find on this book, hopefully, um, and the music, sorry, is the same sort of emotional roller coaster as is in the book. I wanted it to reflect what the characters would hear and, and a bit of comedy. So there's a song called Man Flu which um, obviously is about man flu. Stop, I object. <laughs> which, you know, it's not in the media as much as COVID, but it is a real thing. Apparently someone has done a study and it actually is a real thing. Actually it um, is, I agree. <laughs> there is a song um, called Clean House, which is actually based on a, a friend of mine had written a song called Clean House based on the, the May West uh, quote which is a clean house is a sign of a wasted life and I said oh I would love that song for my book do you mind if I take your baby and give it a facelift and a boob job and basically rewrite all the lyrics and she very kindly let me do that to her song so um so that's a song about I guess about the list and um, and that whole thing about is a clean house a sign of a wasted life? And a lot of women will say no it's actually not and then there's um there's a couple of tracks on the audio book one is called Forgot to Live, which the title sums it up. Yeah. And the other one is called Sink Solo. And Sink Solo and Never Existed are kind of about how we feel like people have abandoned us when they leave. And um, Sink Solo is kind of a sad little song. And then So I'm Not Totally Cruel. And I like to send people on a make them laugh, make them cry journey. <laughs> we finished with a nice up-tempo number with Forgot to Live. But um, Never Existed, I played to a few people and that's, uh, when you've lost someone, it's like they never existed. And, and there's, a, I think, a moment in the book where it talks about where she'll just be a photo in a frame and people won't really remember her. And um, and I think that's a real thing that we all feel. We all want to we all want to leave our mark and it be like we always existed. But sometimes when people are gone, it's like they never existed. But we still remember all of those crazy, annoying. In fact, remember more than annoying, crazy things. And the, we certainly don't remember all the things they did on the list. Megan, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. And thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. Thank you. I've been talking to Megan Albany about her debut novel, The Very Last List of Divian Walker. It's published by Hachette and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. This Good Reading podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxuryread.com.au to find out how.